Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and market service. Great to have your company just gone. 12 midday time, Eastern Standard Time time for another edition of The Call. 10 stocks, two experts, 60 minutes, we give you the rundown. What a day to be talking about the share market. Let's welcome in our expert panel today, Andrew Whelan from Dornbush Partners in Toowoomba in Queensland. Andrew, good to see you. Thanks, Koshi. You too. And Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners. Adam, good to have you aboard as usual. Uh, Before we get on to our stock of the day, gents, your view on the market today, sort of uh, red everywhere, big crack in the American market last night, Adam. Um, How do you approach a day like today? Well, we've been sort of talking about this for a while now and been wrong because the market has just continued to go higher and higher. So it's sort of a little bit of a justification. At the moment, what we do today is hold clients' hands, make right. sure that they're okay with it. We understand markets go up, markets go down. This is part of a cycle, so we're sort of doing a lot of hand-holding, but also picking up some stocks that you know potentially have some good uh, recovery. Mm. Uh, I've been buying a little bit of uh, Credit Corp this morning, CCP. Right. Yeah. Uh, that got hit pretty hard yesterday and today, so I think there's some value there. So yeah, just around mm. the edges, picking up some stuff. Okay. Um, Andrew, what about you? What are you saying to your clients this morning? Uh, well, I think to Adam's point, it's more the vindication of, you know, that we've just been patient and, uh, you know, we probably haven't been incrementally buying on the way up, which we were looking a bit silly for for about four or five mm. weeks. But today and yesterday seems to be a little bit of vindication of that. So it's really just sort of strategizing at what point are we actually going to start buying? I don't like buying on a Friday afternoon when, uh, US markets have fallen in a heap. Um, I'm not that much of a thrill seeker, but certainly <laughs> it's really just sort of what's the shopping list and how are we going to do it? You know, breaking it into little chunks. What are the quality businesses we want? What are the triggers that we're going to start buying at? Yeah, so do you set yourself a bit of a, a, a benchmark of where you think the market could come back to, Andrew, um, where it's say good buying or and below that you start to get a bit worried yeah so as as we were just discussing off air before we were sort of saying around that 5800 from a broader market perspective that's mm. certainly a, a support level and then after that it's 5480 something so mm. that's sort of your broader you know is the market with you or against you but then you'd probably be a bit more nuanced koshy and then go down to the next level and go well what type of stocks do i want do I want to sort of safeguard myself in some of the defensive ones, your consumer staples, your healthcare, or, you know, I missed out back on those March 23 lows. I want to have a bit of a go here. Do I want to have a look at the banks or do I want to look at energy or do I want to look at travel mm. or whichever sort of floats your boat? Yeah, no and I suppose, Adam, my way of thinking, mm. could this be a second chance crash? You know, everyone's bigger. Oh, gee, I wish I'd picked up yeah. these quality stocks around yeah. March 23. 
is this or is this my second chance? And, well, there's, all, there's been lots of talk. It's, it's either the, the V-shaped recovery, which is pretty much yeah. what we've seen at the moment. It's then yeah. either the W-shaped recovery, so retesting those lows again, or somewhere in between. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that this does give opportunity for investors to get back in. And, and really, for us, uh, as Andrew said, that vindication, because, you know, everyone's been talking this market down. It's yeah. been moving the other way. It's been yeah. moving higher. Potentially now, um, the, the, in the US, I thought the Fed was fairly uh, benign on a lot of their comments last night. And, you know, the US market's like a baby. You know, when it yeah. cries, it needs a hug from the Fed. And <laughs> it didn't get that didn't hug. Didn't get it. So right. it, it chucked a tantrum. And that's sort of where we are at the moment. That's a really good analogy. Oh, well, I try. I try. <laughs> that, that is perfect. All right. Let's get to, uh, before we get to your 10 stocks that you've suggested for us, our stock of the day uh, today is Fortescue. Uh, iron ore prices have recently risen above $100 a tonne, sending Fortescue's uh, share price soaring to record highs, um, flying up up 36% during the pandemic. Question now is, will this run continue? Um, Andrew, um, iron ore, 100 bucks a tonne, everyone's been talking that down a lot as well. What do you think of Fortescue in this market? Yeah, look, I'm not going to talk too much because I think Adam's uh, analyst, uh, Rocky, is just like, I'm a dead set amateur compared to Rocky. He has okay. just called this to ascent. But my, my Rocky, Rocky is, is the iron ore god. He is. He is. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, and Adam, over to you. <clears throat> All, right, All right, Adam, what do you think? Well, okay. Um, so look, it's, it's an interesting one, iron ore. At $100, $105, it basically, uh, it, it says a lot uh, about what's happening in the world. I did bring in this chart that we uh, have had uh, from Rocky, but it basically, you can see that um, Brazil, COVID is in the uh, pink, uh, shaded area, yep. and the iron ore price is the line. Oh. So you actually look at how much- No, that's a great chart. Yeah, it's COVID rising in Brazil. Wow. Right, because versus what, the iron ore. For those who don't know, Brazil, that Vale, vale mine. represents 25% of all seaborne iron ore in the world. No. Right? That's big. Yeah. Shoot. So um, this is a direct correlation between how when you have supply and demand, demand China still moving forward, demand yeah. they're still building, they've still got their steel mills, versus supply, and when you get supply constraints... Yeah. This is exactly what happens to a commodity. Right. So we think that iron ore can stay high, probably not at 100 bucks. It should get back to 80. I think most analysts have got yeah. 80 bucks in the, baked into their forecasts. But as we know, markets can shoot on the upside longer yeah. than you expect and also on the downside. Right. So we think iron ore is, is still got a long way to go and staying around that $100, $90 level. Right. Iron ore probably is a hold at the moment. Uh, due to the fact that um, I or think for, it's Fortescue hold. Uh, sorry, Fortescue. Fortescue hold. Yes, right. Fortescue hold. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think it's it's you know if you weren't buying it at ten bucks, it's sort of 15, 14, 15, wherever it is today, um, is 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 probably a little bit too rich for us. Right. But it can continue on if iron ore can continue to go higher. Right. So ten bucks for Fortescue, if it gets back to that, is oh, feel you. It pays a good dividend to too, doesn't it? Well, that's the other thing is is that guaranteed that that dividend. Now they can produce a ton of iron ore for about thirteen to fourteen dollars, all in with dividend. And if wow. they're doing one hundred and eighty-eight million tons, and they're getting a hundred dollars an ounce, a hundred dollars a ton, 
then absolutely uh, wow. you do the numbers it's it's an amazing so yes the the uh, dividends will continue and that probably what's keeping the share price we haven't seen a COVID issue with this one it got down to nine dollars yeah. twiggy was in there buying yeah which helped bring the price up um another miner probably at a different level uh perseus mining uh two gold mines in west africa uh, with the first goal from its third mine expected to start delivering in December. What do you reckon about Perseus? So we're talking two golds today, yep. and this is the one that I'm least keen on. But yep. do you mind if we just very quickly talk about gold in general? Which yes, I guess yeah, yeah, go for it. This question. So I guess from a, a firm point of view, we sort of take the view of we actually buy the gold ETF. So there's two that you can buy. You can either buy GOLD, and that was, I think, the third best performing ETF last year, or you can buy PM Gold, which is the Perth Mint. But when you're buying those, you're taking a more passive view. When you're buying a miner, so if you're buying Newcrest or Perseus or Regis or whatever you're doing, what you're in essence doing is you're taking a more leveraged view on where you think the gold price is going to be. Because then you've got dividends coming to the fore, uh, operational costs to consider, Whereas, of course, if you're buying a passive ETF, you don't have any of that. You're just literally what's actually yeah. happening with gold price and the currency. So our house view is more around the passive ETF because it's just an easier way to play it. But if we're looking at a PRU, um, you know, it's a $1.4 billion market cap. And probably the key thing is they're making about $400 an ounce US. So it's, um, it's a pretty good margin. And, you know, based on all the, the money printing that's going on at the moment, uh, highly likely that we will see some form of inflation down the track. Then gold knocking on the door of $2,000 an ounce is not beyond the realm of possibility. So that's mm. certainly a, a positive for them. Uh, consensus is about $1.39 versus the share price of $1.24. Um, yeah, look, I don't mind it. Its return over the last five years has been about 24%. And again, if, we re- if I remind all of our viewers, over the last five years, the ASX total return has returned 5% per annum. These guys and girls have done 24%. Oh. So, look, I, I, I like it, but I would probably prefer our other one, which we'll talk about in a minute. Okay, which is Regis coming up. Um, Adam, what do you think of Perseus? Yeah, look, it all depends on the, the, the gold price, really. I mean, yep. you know, you can, and, and Andrew's absolutely correct as far as the commodity versus the stock, and management is a real key <coughs> issue that I look inside when I'm looking at gold stocks. Uh, are the management able to do, are they able to say what they do and actually get the results that they need? Yep. Uh, Perseus has done an interesting one. They've just um, bought a, uh, an additional mine for uh, Exor, which is Exor Resources. Uh, they bought that. It was a non-script deal. It was basically valued around $64 million. But what it does is that it extends its mine life in that area by another 500,000 ounces of gold. So it's about keeping that coffer full of gold coming through yep. so that they can then continue to sell and, and, and do things. So a lot of gold companies at these sort of levels, probably probably gold price a little bit too high, but they do make these acquisitions when gold prices are high or commodity prices are high. We've seen Rio, we've seen a lot of these companies do these acquisitions. So I think that's a positive for them. Uh, management is actually quite good, but I'm 100% in agreement, and I'm going to disagree with Andrew somewhere along the line today, but I am agreeing with him um, that this isn't my favourite, right. the one we're about to talk about. Right. And really, I think Evolution for a low-cost producer, that's my key, and Newcrest is one that I, we always gravitate to. So Persis is probably a hold from right. me. Okay. 
All right, Adam, while you, we've got you there, uh, Osnet Services is our second stock, um, an Australian energy company. Yeah. Um, and listed on the Singapore Exchange, State Grid's a, the big Chinese yeah. corporate, is a big shareholder in it, Singapore Power. We seem to have a lot of these uh, power ones, yeah, utilities. You know, utilities. Yeah. Everyone's really quite interested, and I think it's that defensive nature about yeah. it that people are interested in. One, being able to pay a dividend, to looking at that defensive nature and the stability of the share price, I think is the key. For this one, um, it look, fantastic dividend, uh, defensive dividend yield growth. So that's yeah. the first thing. But then they're also getting a lot of upside from re- renewables as well. Mm. So that uh, is for me a, a, a positive. I, I'd buy this one for that client that needs that more st- stable defensive play. Yep. And uh, at the price where it is at the moment, I think you know you could get $2 out of this one pretty easily. So mm. I'm, I'm okay. comfortable with a buy on this one. All right, Andrew? Yeah, look, I, I would agree with uh, with Adam. Um, 85% of their revenue comes from electricity. As you know, I like to do a bit of a deeper dive on what management and the chairs uh, owning. And uh, despite the CEO having been there over a year, he owns, well, according to the stuff I've been looking at anyway, no shares. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see uh, a little bit of hurt in there. And uh, similarly, the chair uh, has been there about four years has about $178,000 worth of shares, despite trousering 450000 a year. So uh, I'd like to see the chair a little bit more invested. Um, but yeah, to Adam's point around the defensive nature of the business, certainly for clients that are looking for that predictable regulated income stream, 5.7% dividend, I see the share price you just had up there down 7% today. Uh, relative to a consensus target of about a dollar eighty nine, certainly one that you'd have on the uh, on the shopping list. Yeah, and Andrew, for a lot of uh, for a lot of investors who have been disappointed with the banks cutting their uh, their dividend, they they are really on the lookout for these strong, solid stocks that pay a good dividend. Oh, look, without a shadow of a doubt, um, and for twenty odd years, and I'm sure Adam would agree. Advisors have equally been guilty. You've got that self-managed uh, super fund client sitting in front yeah. of you saying, I want my 5% per annum plus my franking credits. What's the go-to? Been the yeah. banks and for 20 years, that's been a, a great strategy. It's been a ripper. Yeah. Uh, sadly, not so much over the last 12 months, you know, banks down, you know, 30, 40%. So it really just highlights the need for diversification. And as Adam was just saying, if you've got something with a defensive regulated earning stream like this, it's not franked, but you're still going to get a bank-like dividend. Yeah, no, it's good. All right, um, so a tick for uh, for Osnet for as a defensive stock in your portfolio if you're looking after a good solid dividend return. Uh, our third stock, PRW Holdings. Now, I didn't know anything about this company. <laughs> it, it does cooling so- solutions for water, basically radiators and uh, induction air coolers, but it's if you're a car nut or a car racing nut, um, it supplies Formula One teams, NASCAR, V8 supercars, IndyCars. Uh, Adam, this is a, a, a yeah. sexy little company, isn't well, it, on, abso- a, on the world stage? Absolutely. I really hadn't, I'm with you on this one, I hadn't really looked at it. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting one to, to, to look at. 
And I guess, you know, overall, it's probably been hurt a little bit with this COVID. You know, obviously there's no motorsports yeah. Yeah, going yeah. through at the moment. Just esports, just, now, which yeah. I think is ridiculous to be <laughs> on TV. But I saw it last night, that uh, horse race, that <laughs> yeah. virtual horse race. I was like, what are we talking about? Um, so, yeah, so look, I think, you know, you need to be confident in this one. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not a fan of... Because you're relying on, um, you're, one, you're relying on an industry, so NASCAR, Formula One, which is always going to be there, yeah. but they are fickle. So there's going to be new technology, uh, unless they're putting a lot of money into R&D, and I can't see yep. that, a lot of that. So I'm really not that much of a fan of this one. I think, you know, AP Eagers or ARB um, right. are probably better stocks for that car enthusiast or those, those kinds of things. Right. But there's a fair few uh, brokers that cover it. Um, most got a price targets of sort of five dollars. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit small for me. Sort of the market cap of four hundred and twenty-four million. I'm, I think that's a little bit too small for some of my yep. investors, yep. and it really needs to see uh, some real sort of traction. They did downgrade their earnings by around about four percent for two thousand and twenty. So there, it is in a little bit of a downgrade cycle, and we'll have to wait and see when reporting season to see right. this one. So for me, this one is don't, don't touch. It's not a sell, yeah. but it's certainly wait until we get more clarity around what's okay. happening with NASCAR, Formula One, and all, right. all that kind of stuff. Andrew, are you a bit of a rev head? Do you follow this one? Oh, come on, Koshy, do I look like a rev head? <laughs> it's a Queensland company. It's oh. a Queensland company, Queenslander. Yep. So one or two today. So uh, from that point of view, it gets an immediate tick, goes immediately into the, the portfolio. Um, the problem is they can't drive their cars out of the state. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, look, Anastasia, is, she's she's faltering. You know, it was September good. the last time we talked. She's now July. We'll get there. Good. Right, good. Uh, I, I guess the key thing for me on this one, and Adam's bang on, you know, Motorsport Sports is 70% of the revenue. So that's a, that's a big issue for them. But um, they've actually done a pretty good job. You know, they've got JobKeeper, they've got that uh, small business loan from the US that drawn down on their line of credit from CBA. So they don't have to go out and sort of, you know, do a dilutive capital raising. Uh, the CEO has been selling stock, which, you know, you and I spoke about last fortnight, Adam, is not mm. sort of a, a great sign. No. He, he still owns $111 million worth. So oh. I think we can probably cut him a little bit of slack. Okay. <laughs> and the chair has increased um, her holding um, by 50% over the last 12 months. So, you know, mm. skin in the game. Um, I, I like it for growth. But I, my rider would be, you know, and this is how we started this whole um, session, is that if we are in a second correction, small caps, and Adam hit it on the head, it's $400 million, are just going to get smacked. So right. it's probably one that you'd be buying on the rebound for growth. Okay, all right. Um, but uh, that's what I love about the call. Um, you send in suggestions for companies. I thought, I had no idea yeah, this company was absolutely. listed. And when I watch V8 supercars on, on TV, you always see PRW. I've always wondered what it stood for, but now I know. So yeah. thanks for that. Um, Andrew, our first stock, uh, fourth stock is a real estate investment trust, um, Arena. Basically, this is um, a real estate trust in that childcare, education, uh, government type building area, is it? Yeah, and so if you look at the type of tenant that it is, it's actually defensive in the context of, um, you know, childcare. Uh, as such, so from that point of view, um, it's a positive. I guess I'm just cool on REITs in general. 
um, unless it's sort of like an industrial REIT. You know, we don't mind sort of industrial REITs, but certainly, and would much prefer this one over, say, URW as an example, um, you know, the, uh, the former Westfield. I mean, that, yeah. one, that one, frankly, just scares me at the moment. But in, in the context of a business as such, they've recently just gone and raised some uh, capital, about $60 million. So that's going to sort of give them a little bit of runway, so to speak. Uh, CEO has been increasing uh, his holding by about 70% over the last 12 months. The yield's pretty good, 5.83%. So as long as, you know, things come back to quote-unquote normal, we don't have a second wave and we're all locked up again, then certainly this is another one that could be in that defensive sort of space. Okay. Yeah, look, this one is... If you were looking at the childcare sector, this is the one you go for. You don't actually go for the operators. Right. So, uh, Gem, um, there's plenty of operators out there that have that have that have done well. But I don't like the operators. This is a better way to do it. It is more defensive earnings. However, they did come out with their occupancy numbers uh, the other day. Um, for June, they were at about 74%, and they need to be around about 90% occupancy to actually uh, break even. So this needs, they do need to uptick into that space and they do need to do well. So that's something that I think, you know, you need to be aware of if you're looking at this, but right. it is that defensive REIT and it is something that you would look to, to uh, if you were going into childcare or wanted to go into that space, the REIT is a better way to go than the operators. Right. So okay. it's a buy. All right, me. buy for you. Yeah. All right, the other day, I'm just looking back at my notes here, we had Charter Hall Infrastructure yes. um, Fund. Yes. Another REIT. Now, I immediately thought infrastructure was into roads and stuff like that. But no, it's into childcare centres mm. as well, isn't mm. it? As yeah, the it landlord for them. Yeah. So, uh, which is the better out of the two, Arena or, or Charter Hall? Um, yeah. And I, I noticed G8, yeah, you were saying, yep. um, avoid the operators. Yeah. Um, they put out a warning the other day, didn't they, they did. that some of their, their rents weren't being paid by Correct. the childcare operators. And yeah. So it's under a lot of pressure, which... Well, it's a furphy from the government really saying that there's free childcare yeah. because it's the, the way that they're doing it is been uh, absolutely... And basically, the, the, the cost lands onto the operator yeah. and then the operator has to get 50% yeah. of that back from the government. And that's it's just been an absolute nightmare uh, yeah. for childcare all, all around. I think Chart Hall and Arena probably sit quite well together. Right. Chart Hall is a very good operator. They've got a lot mm. of stable and they've got a lot of property. So I'd probably say that they would be potentially a little bit above. But I do like this Arena one. Uh, mm. it, the price okay. actually looks pretty good here. So, right. But it's just that occupancy. Yep. And we need to see that occupancy tick up to 90% and then it, you know okay. I feel a little bit more comfortable about it. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? The comparing arena to that charter hall infrastructure one yeah i was just uh thank you for putting adam first it gave me a chance to do a quick read um, <laughs> adam i owe you one yeah uh, thanks mate the is actually far better with charter halls closer to the sevens whereas as we just said arena is about the 5.8 so if it's just a straight yield story then you right. know you may even charter hall a look um balance sheets looks pretty clean Again, recipient of you know that government grants and also JobKeeper as well. PE's not too um, demanding, so look, you could nearly think about a barbell strategy. You know, we got Charter Hall at one end and you've got Arena mm. at the other okay. end. There's certainly be nothing wrong with that. All right, 
Um, Andrew, let's get to the uh, the gold stock that you prefer, uh, Regis Resources, um, an Australian gold miner operations in uh, Western Australia and um, and also Central uh, Western New South Wales. Yeah, great return on equity on this one, Koshi, 44%. Uh, revenue, gro- revenue growth looks pretty good. And again, keep talking about that total return, which is really important. We've got to get away from focusing just on dividend because like we just heard, if you do that, especially if you're sort of heavy on banks or whatever, it can end in tears. We're not into tears here at Dornbush. Uh, (laughs) The the total return over the last five years for Regis has been 41% per annum. Again, remembering money invested in the ASX S&P 200 over that same period of time would have given you five. So it's certainly been a very strong performer. A lot of reserves, about 8 million ounces of reserves, pretty low cash costs. Um, PE is undemanding at 15 times relative to its peers, which is about 17 times. Again, it comes back to that leverage play, whether you want leverage or whether you just want the passive. Out of the two, out of um, PRU or RRL, I'd certainly go RRL. Our preference is actually Northern Star. We like Northern Star the best, but we also don't mind evolution, which I think Adam just mentioned as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Adam? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one because really management are very, very good on this on this stock. So again, gold miners definitely look at management. Their quarter on quarter production numbers were just a little bit lower, down about 5%. They, they, they produced 86,000 ounces of gold for the last quarter. Bring that out. It's probably looking uh, that they'll probably do just a little bit below what they forecast to the market, which is okay, you know, especially when this gold price is where it is at the moment. Their overall overall average grade is around about one and a half percent per grams per ton. So that's actually quite low. Um, but what they do is they move a lot of dirt to get that out, and they're right. able to do that really quite cost effectively. Their all-in costs is around about so one and a half grams per, per ton. ton. Yeah, that's not much for a, a bunch of dirt. What a good gold miner. What would they, by comparison, if you yeah. had a benchmark, a rule of thumb, should you get? Two or three grams a ton? Yeah, maybe even four. Four, four right grams on. per okay. ton. Like you, you, it's a big difference, isn't it? Well, it is. And they need to move a lot of dirt to yeah. get that low grade out. So right. you've got mines that are high grade mines and you can see them when their results come out, they come out at 12 metres at 50 grams per ton. Like a, you wow. know, right, quite small, thin grade, thin lines, right. but they get high grade. Where you've got the other side where you've got these ones which is a low grade a mine and they have to dig a lot of dirt out of the ground to just get that one and a half two percent grams yeah. per tonne so yeah. there's there's two different types of uh, gold miners regis definitely sits in that lower end and they're all in sustainable costs is around one thousand one hundred and seventy four dollars per ounce right. gold price sitting at one thousand seven hundred mm-hmm. you do eighty three thousand ounces you know you, yeah. you, and, and yeah. that's do pretty the do yeah. the numbers it's, it's, it's pretty good still so management are really good they know what they're doing i really like their garden well deposit i think that's got some really good growth in it right. um so it's a buy from me okay still prefer newcrest and evolution are my okay. two all right okay that's uh our first of our uh, first five of our 10 stocks for today uh stock of the day fortescue um you know, great iron ore producer, if you can get around that $12 mark or, or under if there's a pullback, uh, both Andrew and Adam like it. Uh, Perseus Mining, um, preferences for Regis that we just, just talked about. Um, Andrew really pointing out for a lot of people, gold, that gold ETF, mm. just as a pure gold play, 
um, is a good one to look at. Uh, Osnet, yes, if you want, from both Andrew and Adam, if you want a defensive stock that pays a good solid dividend. Uh, PRW Holdings in the, the big car uh, market, uh, car coolers for IndyCars and V8 supercars and Formula One, uh, a no from Adam, uh, but the Queenslander likes it because it's a <laughs> Queensland company, but buy it on a rebound if it, go, if it goes down a bit. It's like state of origin here on the call at times. Uh, the Arena uh, REIT, um, a yes for a, a dividend play from, from both the guys. Look at Charter Hall infrastructure, maybe as an alternative. Uh, Regis, a yes from Adam. Uh, Low-grade miner, though, and both Adam and Andrew prefer Northern Star or Evolution, which are higher-grade gold miners if you want to get into those gold mining stocks. And a good point made by both Andrew and Adam is if you're uh, investing in gold, go for the gold ETF. Um, if you just want a, a straight commodity play. Mm. If you're going for a miner, you want to go that gold play plus something on top. Um, mm. And that's why you, you invest in the gold mining stock. So go for the good ones. Um, our sixth one, Andrew, uh, Domino's Pizza. Um, gets a lot of attention, doesn't it? <laughs> um, in business pages, um, has a, a, a colourful chief executive. Of course, the largest uh, pizza chain in Australia uh, did well during the lockdown with its home deliveries and things like that. Um, has had a share price that's quite volatile. What do you think of Domino's Pizza at, at, at this level? Well, again, thank you for choosing this one for me first because it's another Queensland company. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's obviously uh, gets included straight away. Um, I was reading the other day um, some scuttlebutt that was suggesting they were actually trying to get themselves included in that uh, technology index, that new, uh, new Australian technology index, because over 50% oh. of their sales now actually comes from digital channels. Oh. Uh, now, that's maybe a little bit of a stretch. As you can see, it's done pretty well yeah. over the last uh, 12 months there. Uh, return on equity is amazing, 59%. Uh, you've got Jack Cowan, who, of course, uh, is also uh, involved with Hungry Jacks. Yes. He uh, owns 26% of the company, or about $1.45 billion worth. So you talk about, you know, having skin in the game. I think that's a fair amount of skin in the game. Uh, and, you know, they hold those franchise rights all over the world, um, Australia, Europe, uh, Japan as well. And that mix of sales is not quite a third a third but you know you can call it a third a third a third yeah. so they've got a fair bit of um, diversity there it is a, it is the story. largest um uh, domino's franchise in the world isn't it as you were saying a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't know that that it mm. that it owns stores right around the world france belgium netherlands japan yeah. morocco germany they just got involved in with that hello um you might remember a couple of weeks ago, Koshi and Adam, we spoke about Collins Foods. Yes. Uh, KFC, Sizzler. And at, at that stage, I think we've sort of said, well, certainly I said, any of that was my preferred one. And I think that probably still is the case. Uh, albeit, though, this one does have, you know, far greater uh, geographic uh, diversification, international geographic diversification. Uh, but, yeah, look, I could certainly think of worse companies. But, Koshi, you sort of summed it up pretty well when you said you've got a colourful CEO in the press a fair bit and also the fact the share price is pretty volatile. So again, for a boring Dornbush client who's an accumulator, uh, then you know perhaps the swings and roundabouts of this one isn't so much, but if you're sort of trading and you know the return over the last 12 months has been pretty good, 64%, uh, 
then maybe this is one for you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things that before I say it's a buy that you need to that you need to be careful of. <laughs> one is it's an Aussie dollar story, so you need to be careful of a rising Aussie oh, yeah, dollar yeah. with the uh, revenue that they're getting from Europe, Japan, and everywhere else. So we need to be mindful of that before we start to go in there. Uh, certainly, with COVID happening, that has provided them uh, a fantastic marketplace to go contactless delivery. Um, and you know they've been trying drones, they've been trying many things to try and get you that yep. pizza in time and all that kind of stuff. Hence why they want that tech yep. side and of things. I saw the other day though that that customers walking in for pizzas rather than getting home delivered mm. has increased enormously now yeah. as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So back back in eighteen nineteen, there was a big fall in the share price because they changed the franchise model. And changing that franchise model is that, that say, uh, you know, they've got a, an area, uh, yeah, you can see that from oh, sort of yeah, 18 yes. to yeah, 19 yeah, it yeah, fell, yeah, yeah. Um, was basically that cha- uh, change in that franchise model is that, that, that you've got an area, uh, let, let's say that's Bondi, in that area there was only one Domino's pizza, but they gave the ability then for that owner of that Bondi pizza, uh, Domino's pizza, then to halve it and put another uh, pizza store in that same area. Right. And then if they didn't want to take it, then somebody else would be able to come in as well. So basically you're halving your database or halving your area and hence then franchise sales went down because they were splitting everything up. Now, that was to get growth out of it. That was an opposite for it. So I think now they've worked through a lot of that. They're doing a lot of expansion. It's a buy from me. It's a growth story. And I think on any weakness, you'd be comfortable to pick this up. Right. So at these levels, around 65? Yeah, or? well, today, yeah, at 60, yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, we've been buying it for clients who like that sort of fast consumer goods kind of sector. Yep, yep. And look, they, they know how to make a pizza, albeit I don't really eat them myself, oh, yeah. but they know how to do it. And low socioeconomic areas uh, are, are very, yep. uh, you know, it's a $5 pizza And, and whatever, to so. Andrew's point on the technology of pizzas, because you'd you think just the old local Italian restaurant, you chuck it in. Yeah. Um, I actually met one of the uh, the franchise owners. I think he had six Pizza Hut stores. Right. And he had a dashboard on his phone that gave him live data yeah, right. on how many pizzas were being sold per hour. So he could shift his staff from one to the other if one was doing better than two or three others. You run, run your business more efficiently. Mm. So fascinating. Um Premier Investments is our seventh stock that you've sent through for an opinion. Of course, Solomon Lou's retail investment vehicle. Um, you would be buying some, through some of the chains, Peter Alexander for your pajamas. Uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you would have spent hundreds of dollars in <laughs> smiggle stores, uh, just jeans. Um, Adam, look, I've uh, followed Solomon Lou for years. I reckon yeah. he is without a doubt the best retailer in this country and has yeah. been for generations. He's it's very colourful as well. Yes, he, exactly. He he's puts, a character. He puts a lot of headlines and, uh, and yeah. does that well. Look, all, all, all of this about, what this is all about is store openings. So how quickly right. can these guys get stores back up and running? Yeah. Now, we know that uh, Queensland, Northern Territory, there have been some opened already, but most of the CBD stores have not opened up yet. So again, we're going to have this issue of retail and how they're going to one, pay rent. Now we know Solomon Lou's been in the press basically mm. saying, I'm not paying you any yeah. rent, bad stick, luck. Stick your rent. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can go and shove it. So um, I think that, that, that's a, a fantastic way um, for them to maintain profitability or revenue. 
but it's really about online sales. And I think that's why we're going to see a huge shift, albeit it's been talked about before, but it's that huge shift from that store, yep. physical, to actual online sales and how they are can they do well that. positioned? They them? are starting to do that and that is getting further and further down the line. So yes, I think I think around about um, I, I think it's I think I saw the other day about thirty percent of their sales is online. So right. it, it's still got a long way to go. Um, I think you know, for me, retail, I'm sticking clear of, steering right. clear of. Yeah. I prefer other REITs or, or other um, investments. So, look, if you hold it, I would hold it like a, a, right. it's a hold for right. me is the right. answer. Yeah. But I wouldn't be buying it at these levels. I think okay. yeah, there's too much muddy water to go through before okay. we can get so a clear So, is that interest. a sector thing for you yeah, rather than a so. just premier? So, you wouldn't say, okay, I'll buy Accent instead or they're better run or... JB Hi-Fi came out JB with some Hi-Fi. fantastic numbers the other day. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. And Kogan, <laughs> right? So, if, if you're wanting to, that would be my play. Kogan right. or that, that would right. be my play. Premier, I think, is still too fickle. Just Jeans, Smiggle. I mean, okay. it's, it's, yeah, a bit fickle right. for me. Andrew? Yeah, look, I, I would uh, I would agree. And again, that my old chestnut, what's that total return been over the last five years? Taking aboard everything that you and Adam have said, you know, Solly Lou is no goose at all. Um, you know, holding 28% of Breville in there. I mean, we know how well Breville's gone. Yep. Uh, but equally so, you know, that, uh, dare I say it, that vanity play of Meyer, that 10% stake of Meyer, I mean, that hasn't worked out so well for him. Mm. But uh, at, at the end of the day, it's sort of a business that over the last few, five years has only returned 7% per annum relative to the market, which has returned five. So if I'm, if I'm going to try and pick individual stocks, I want to be trying to do better than just a little bit over what the market's done. I want to be doing multiples of that. So um, strong, strong brands, but again, um, my wife sort of complains about my Amazon habit. Um, Amazon seems to be at our do- doorstep nearly every single day. And as Adam says, in, in sort of COVID, they've been able to, um, Premier have been able to get up to about 30% of their sales online annualised. So they're certainly doing that transition towards online. But uh, I'm, I'm with Adam, this would be a hold at best. Yeah. And and do you are you more inclined to go to JB Hi-Fi or Temple and Webb and Kogan and the pure online plays? Yeah, Kogan worries me. Um, Russell and, and I forget the other code uh, founder's name, but they have a propensity to be constantly selling shares. And as we recently saw that capital raising, uh, every time the share price pops its head up, there seems to be sort of the handout. So I'd, I'd sort of want to see that sort of pass, but certainly in the context of just growth. Uh, and I mean, we help float, we'll talk about Macquarie in a minute. When I worked for Macquarie, we helped float them at $2.00. Um, and of course, prior to that, they were inside a, uh, a private equity business, which from memory boarded at 20 cents. So wow. followed um, JB Hi-Fi very closely for a number of years and it's an excellent business. Mm. Paying $42 for it, probably not, but yeah, it's still a quality business. And if you could buy it under pressure, it's certainly one I'd be interested in. Yeah, okay. All right, um, our eight stock, um, Andrew uh, Challenger, uh, the investment management firm, $86 billion in assets under management. Bit of a skew towards um, annuity-type investments, aren't they, as a, as a manager? Yeah, and I'd be interested in Adam's view as an advisor on this one, but uh, Challenger have been all over us. Um, and I think that's in part recognising that in this market volatility, 
some people don't want the volatility and so maybe an annuity is the type of product that uh, you know they should be thinking about I'm not saying people need annuities just saying it's sort of something that uh, is, a, is a product option that is out there so this style of environment is great from them from a sales point of view their japanese business is going very well their japanese annuity style business but uh, yeah australia not going so well and if you look at the reasons uh, challenger give they're saying oh it's you know raw commissions and all sorts of things I would also say things like low interest rates probably isn't helping them and obviously poor investment returns as well. Mm. Uh, again, over the last five years, returned minus 2% per annum. Markets returned five. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I would be lukewarm on this one at best. Yeah, and Adam, from those charts, mm. uh, the market's been lukewarm on them <laughs> yeah. for a while as yeah. well, haven't they? It's a sell. Yeah, like, sell. Yeah, I don't need to say any more. Right. It's, it's a sell. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason for that is that, the, and the reason why the market is very lukewarm on this one is, is that they changed their investment. So you give them $100 mm -hmm. and they're going to give you an annuity over the next 20 years. And yep. so they'll give you, they'll pay you out monthly, quarterly, but they'll give you, uh, you basically $100 until perpetuity or for 20 years, they'll give you that annuity. What happens is, is that previously they were investing in high-grade assets, property trusts, uh, buildings, you know, government buildings, those kinds of things, uh, and shares. So they were able to get a higher rate of return for their members, plus also then keep that margin on top, right. which then provide, pro provided profitability. From that, they then changed the way they did that because it was too risky for their 20-year annuity-style businesses, right. and they went into buying bonds. Now, bonds are only gonna give you that one, uh, maybe half a percent return, and then that margin has been absolutely to zero. So by them changing the way that they're doing their investments to make sure those annuities are being paid out for your $100 that you gave them and over yep. the time, then that uh, lowered the margin, hence the market is saying, no, we're not interested anymore. Right. I still feel that it's a sell and you can even see today that it's been hit pretty damn hard yeah. uh, on the back of it. Um, Andrew's right, Japan's probably the only thing that is going well for them at the moment. Right. So yeah, not a fan. Because they're used to it in Japan, these are new And it's an aging population, yeah? yeah, more older people than, yeah. so they need it. And, and Andrew, for clients, when you talk about annuities versus, uh, versus say, getting an investment portfolio together. Annuities are great because of consistency and locked in, but sometimes they can be horrible returns and the opportunity cost is is massive. You, you get left behind with this stodgy old return each year. Yes, reduce risk, mm. but you get no upside. Correct. It's horses for courses, Koshi. You know, yeah. like if your portfolio is down 35% or 40% on the 23rd of March, yeah. you probably were wishing that you had an annuity. Yeah. But equally so, you know, the share market returning 5% per annum over the last five years, if you held an annuity, you probably wouldn't be so happy. Yeah. Uh, just relating to those investment returns of Challenger, I mean, Adam has been doing this as long as I have, Adam. You'd remember the old Challenger, yep. uh, pre-Packer yep. uh, uh, investing. So would you, Koshi? And, yeah. you know, their strategy was basically just buying buildings yeah. and uh, and hoping that the growth would uh, would get there. And, uh, you know, the market always had the shares at, you know, $2 or $3 and they just never moved. And it was only when they ch changed the investment strategy the first time around that we sort of saw that increase. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting to see that pivot back to the more boring and we're now seeing the share price react accordingly. Yep. All right. 
Uh, Andrew, um, while you're there, your old alma mater, Macquarie Group, um, the big investment bank financial services company. That's our ninth stock to have a look at. Um, uh, you, uh, apart from being a good place to work, or a good place to invest. Yeah, so I worked with them for seven years. My disclosure as a former associate director of the bank, and um, yeah, my out of all the ones we're talking about today, Head and Shoulders number one pick. Um, they caught, got caught with their pants down back in 2008 in the GFC, and I think from memory they had about 86% of their capital deployed. So when there was all these opportunities, they weren't able to take advantage of it. Uh, you know, we fast forward 10 years or 12 years. And they've now got about 70 odd percent of their capital that can be deployed to take advantage of opportunities. So I really do like this business. I note consensus is about 120 bucks pre the uh, all the excitement uh, in March. They are about about 150, and I think on their lows in March 23, they were something like 70 or 80 dollars. I mean, that was just a gift. Mm. Um, yeah, big fan of the business, and certainly on any weakness, I would be accumulating these. Yeah, um, referred to as the Millionaires Factory. Um, mm. uh, Andrew, were you one of those? <laughs> oh, Koshi, you know, we, we, we don't like to brag about these things. No, um, <laughs> I, I was no Alan Moss. Yes, yeah, so, uh, yes. no, exactly. <laughs> uh, Adam, what do you think of a quarry? Yeah, it's a buy. Right. Uh, you know, pretty simple. Um, Shamira's yeah. doing a fantastic job in there, you know, and the mm. culture that they have did come under some pressure through the GFC and, and you yeah. know, with some enforceable undertakings and things like that. But overall, uh, it's been a fantastic business and will continue to do well. The reason why we do like it is, is that they've got that diversification of their commodities, their traders, their um, investments, yeah. their building. You know, it's a really well diversified investment bank and it sits well in that stage of big five. Yeah. Four being the big four banks, but five being Macquarie. Yeah, absolutely. It's a buy. Uh, buy yeah, I really like this story. It's a defensive play. We we obviously have a lot of gas that moves back from uh, the Bowen Basin, from yep. basins around Australia. So it owns the pipes, does it? Correct. Right. And so it can clip the ticket on as much gas that goes through its pipelines mm. and it clips the ticket. So it's very defensive because right. you need to get that gas from the Bowen Basin via a pipe out to the boat who sits at the harbour right. and then from the boat it goes out to China or wherever right. it is to get sold. So you need to have that pipeline and APA has done very, very well in taking over certain companies around Australia to become the monopoly inside right. of that. There's a couple of other businesses that do other types of gas, but uh, APA is okay. the biggest and the baddest in the room. So yeah, it's a buy from me all day long. Um, the dividend mm -hmm. yield is very defensive. It will pay its dividends uh, through the whole GFC and COVID as well. It did very, very well. Even so. eleven bucks, still yeah, buy. Yeah. So for for all of us normal investors, um, this is to gas and electricity what toll is to roads, is yeah, it? Yeah, right. transurban. Yeah, or right. a toll. Oh, yeah, 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 transurban. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, it's okay. a toll. All right. So it eclipses the amount of cubic feet or cubic meters of mm. gas that goes okay. through its pipelines. And the Santos mm. pays it, Origin pays for that gas okay. to be transported. It's too expensive for an Origin to build its own pipeline. Yeah. So, BHP so will share it all. Correct. Yeah. BHP will build its own railway. Like yeah. that's fine because they need to. You know, they they're moving it. But for gas, it's very very difficult. And it is it is quite a strategic <coughs> play for a lot of mm. uh, companies uh, as well as investors 
it sits in that defensive basket. It sits, it's always going to be there and it's always going to pay its okay. dividends. So yeah. really happy with APA. Andrew? Uh, everything that Adam said and two important other items, 90% uh, of their revenue is unregulated. So if we look at, say, oh, AST like or Spark that we looked at previously, it's still defensive, but you don't have sort of those regulated investment returns that sort of limit your upside. They're basically setting the price for 90% of the income. So that's really important. Mm. Probably the most important thing, though, is the founder, as uh, Adam was talking about, you know, they've been going around and doing a lot of consolidation and aggregation as Mick McCormick, uh, Queenslander just down the road in Warwick, in fact. So uh, he's retired now, but uh, the foundation, I'm not parochial, I just want to be clear about that. Um, yeah, he has really set a strong foundation for this business. So right. everything that Adam said, plus plus. Wow, okay. Yeah. So uh, because every portfolio has got to have your key defensive stocks, yeah. this looks like a real winner Absolutely. for people. Absolutely. All right. Okay, that uh, runs us through our 10 stocks for the day. Um, just a recap on the final uh, five. Premier Investments, uh, uh, a hold from Adam No from, um, uh, from Andrew. Uh, Challenger is a no from um, Andrew and a sell from, from Adam. Macquarie, a big tick for both. Um, and APA is um, one of those great defensive stocks, which uh, is fabulous. Uh, Domino's, um, a yes from Adam, and but Andrew uh, prefers Collins Food, if you're going, which is the KFC, owns KFC chains and things like that. Mm. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate yeah, your time. Absolutely. Um, Andrew, uh, where are you from? Queensland, aren't you? That's right. Andrew Wheeler from Dornbush Partners in Toowoomba. It's always wonderful to have you on the call. Thanks, Koshi. Thanks, Andrew. Good on you, mate. See ya. All right. If you'd like to send in any stocks for us to consider on the call, you can email the call at osbiz.com.au or send them through Twitter and our Osbiz TV Twitter handle.